0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to cast dice the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today it has been said once or twice mainly on this podcast that we are in the middle of a gaming Renaissance there are just too many good games out there that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on and it can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next and I guess that's the purpose of this podcast it's to, to talk to people about the games that they're knowing and loving, to talk to the people that make these games, and to talk about big industry events. Now, a couple weeks ago, uh, we dug in and got back into our Bolt Action roots, and I had the man, the myth, the legend, uh, the long-serving... Long-suffering former T.O. of Australia's largest bolt-action event. Of course, I'm talking about CanCon, and if I'm talking about that, I'm talking about a man who knows more about uh, obscure miniature lines and minor powers and where to find them. Of course, I'm talking Pete West, and if uh, if it's not just Bulgarians, it's everything else, he's going to be the man who's going to help us out today as we dig into where to find the minor power models that you want to put on the tabletop. Pete, welcome back to Cast Eyes.
1: Great to be here, Brad. It's always fun to have a chat.
0: Oh man. I'm so excited to have you back twice in one month. Are you kidding? This is the best.
1: I'm just surprised that there wasn't a listener revolt after two hours of Bulgarians last time. So I'm very pleased to be back and not banned.
0: Well, a lot of people were very excited about that episode and very excited about the PDF that you put out. Uh, I know that the Snafu podcast recently covered it. Um, And after that conversation, because of one of the parts of your PDF. At the end, you not only do additional units in history to supplement the Bulgarian army list that exists in the Italy in Minor Powers book. Um, well, I guess let's talk a little bit about the PDF first. Where can people find this additional PDF? What is it? Uh, I know we talked about it at length in the other episode, but if people missed it, tell us a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, so as you mentioned, I did do a unofficial Um, Bulgarian army list which just expands on what was available in the um, Italy and Axis book which you know because space was limited the uh, Bulgarians didn't get to um, add everything that they were sort of using and cover all the periods so I just thought they could use a bit more and um, I did an unofficial list uh, as we talked about it's available through the bolt action And the Bolt Action Australia New Zealand Facebook pages, if you go into the files sections, I've dumped um, a copy of it there. Um, We updated it slightly with some of the feedback I got after our last podcast. And thank you very much to those who have um, given me feedback on it. So it's out there now. Um, I hope people use it. I hope people enjoy it. And it just gives you some new and expanded ways to play Bulgarians.
0: Exactly. And I think it's a wonderful addition to the bolt-action pantheon. And I know that Warlord has been sent to copy, and hopefully it becomes official one of these days. Uh, But one of the most exciting parts of that PDF was the end. And, of course, I'm not taking away from the additional units and the history, but one of the reasons why people often don't even look at the Bulgarians and some of the other minor powers is they just can't put them on the tabletop. They just don't have the models. And that was one of the big... Uh limiting factors for a lot of these armies, especially when bolt action began, when the armies of series was brand new, you would go, oh, there aren't any Romanian models. How am I going to do this? Or there aren't any Hungarian models. How am I going to do this? Uh, I guess I just have to play Germany and the Soviets or the US like everyone else. And it really led to a a lack of uh, diversity in early bolt action events. There were people who were converting and people who were finding obscure ranges. But over the years, that selection, if you are looking to play a minor power, just the sheer offerings that are available have actually gone from non-existent to mind-blowing. But you got to know where to look. And you did a wonderful job of adding that to the Bulgarian PDF So I thought today we could dig into where to find minor power models. Now, we aren't necessarily going to be digging into some of the larger minor powers um, because those in and of themselves might be massive conversations. And I think we will have to come back with some good alternate, uh, quote unquote, major powers or major minor powers uh, because there are some... I mean, Germans are made by everyone, so that may not be a, a really great topic. But if we're going to talk about German sailors, or we're going to talk about, you know, Japanese paratroopers, for example, that might be a more interesting conversation. How do you make the the major forces, but with a much different aesthetic and historical backing than some of the other more typical versions of those armies? Um, so, Peter, are you gonna? Join me for that little endeavor uh, in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, um, that sounds great. And as you say, there's been a real explosion over the last couple of years of um, people making many of these obscure units. Some of them are minor powers and some of them are just some the more obscure um, units that were part of the major powers. Um, but as you said right up front... You got to know where to look for some of these because mm-hmm. a lot of them are a lot of them are passion projects done mm-hmm. by individual people, um, and uh, they're not big companies with big advertising budgets. And so you really got to know where to look for some of these unique ranges.
0: I mean, that said, Warlord has done a wonderful job of digging into some of the more obscure corners of World War II. You know, just off the top of my head, I can think of the Earth's Ass Panther, which was only in Battle of the Bulge. Um, Of course, they just put out the Soviet paratrooper box, uh, which, you know, basically allows you to field a Soviet paratrooper army. If you want to buy a bunch of those and then do a little bit of converting to add some variety. I mean, you got a whole army in just that 10 man box. Uh, Likewise, they just put out the NKVD. Uh, which, of course, hadn't been done by them previously. Black Tree Designs has quite a few NKVD models. And, of course, we'll talk about this later. But Warlord, you know, the the largest manufacturer for bolt action, is still putting things out. Likewise, artisans constantly adding to their ranges, um, which for a while they weren't. And so it's really nice to see um, some of the more diverse elements uh, of some of those major and minor powers being added by the larger companies, but of course, as you say, we have a lot of the smaller ones as well.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's nothing, take nothing away from Waller. They do a great job. But when you dig into this, you just realize how big the topic is, how many different units there were, how many minor nations were actually uh, participants in World War II uh, or could have been participants in World War Two? So make for some interesting um, what-if scenarios. So, it is really a broad topic, and even a company as big as Warlord can't possibly hope to cover them all. So it is, where do you find those um, additional ones to add to what is often um, a core war, a core um, set of Warlord minis or something like Artisan minis?
0: Exactly. And I have heard on several Bolt Action podcasts, because I do like to listen to Bolt Action podcasts, not just record them, uh, that'll, that sometimes... You know, when talking about nations, people say, oh, well, that that nation, you can't you can't play that nation. Because or and, you know, sometimes it's surprising topics like Italians and you go, wait, what? Warlord puts out a massive range of Italian models, uh, both paratroopers and non sun hats, regular helmets. I mean, there's a just within the Warlord catalog, there is quite a lot of variety there. But the argument is that it becomes more playable and collectible and convertible when it's plastic. And that is absolutely true. I won't take away from that for a second. However, given, you know, prices for World War II models are significantly less than, say, oh, games workshop prices. And I guess that is easy for me to say, having come from that. But if you're from a more historical background, maybe some of the prices can be a little hard to choke down at times. But you should be able to create uh, a minor power nation... Like Italy, for example, uh, using warlord products right out of the gate, and it won't break the bank. Uh, I guess it depends on how big your bank is. Uh, But there is a lot there. And I just want to draw an underline under the fact that a lot of these armies that people say aren't seen on the tabletop are available. In fact, some of them have a ton of variety. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Pete, you have put together an exhaustive list. I literally started a list. I think it had 12 items on it, and then you sent me a list, and I threw mine away because it was shameful. So today, we're going we're gonna to lean on Pete West's beautiful and expansive knowledge of World War II minis, and we're going to dig into some minor power companies. Now, just because I'm talking up Pete's knowledge here doesn't mean that we have covered everything under the sun. That isn't. That just won't happen today. Um, we will, however, give you some some ideas, some ways forward. If you're looking for particular items, if we miss a company, particularly if you are attached to that company, please contact us. Let us know. Um, we can be reached at Cast Dice, C A S T D I C E on Facebook. Um, and I would love to talk about your range on an upcoming episode or share it through the Facebook page because I really do think that these ranges should be shared and. At the time of this recording, we're doing the best we can. Um, I know there's a few things coming down the pipe and we're gonna talk about some of those today, but there's a lot more coming than even we know about. So this is not a perfect list. So if we miss something, particularly one of your favorites, or if you're with one of these companies, we apologize uh, in advance. Just let us know and we will send you the love. So Pete, uh, let's talk about a lot of the minor power ranges we're gonna talk today are often based on two to five blister pack skews within a larger company. For example, I'm thinking of my Brigade Games Finns. I based an entire army out of two packs of Snowtrooper blisters and a medium machine gun team. And we'll talk about more of that later. But then I had to do a little bit of converting to add variety to that. Is that the danger with some of these?
1: Yeah, I mean, the sort of standard, and you'll hear this as we go through some of the companies, is two to four packs of infantry, one pack of command, and usually a mortar and an MMG. That's sort of what most people seem to consider the basics of any, any range. And so, you know, that does leave you quite limited, and particularly since a lot of these minor powers um, actually call for a lot of troops because they're, you know, minor, they're very rarely large VET forces. Um, probably you got a lot of inexperience in there. So how do you flesh those forces out? Um, it does mean that minor powers are a bit more work than perhaps maybe just sort of picking up a box of Germans. You've got to figure out what's available, um, not only from one place, but you probably want to look at a couple of places. So you've got a bit of variety and then exactly. you've got, well, do they mix? Yeah. And then you've got the question of, well, what about all of those specialist elements like artillery crews or vehicles or snipers or flamethrowers? You know, where how am I going to find those? Because as as I said, a lot of these ranges just don't um, extend to those sorts of specialist units, and so that's where you start thinking about well, what can I convert? You know, are heads available? Can I make something out of you know a German plastic or a, a one of the existing figures? So. Um, I find doing minor powers just takes a bit more work and planning. It's not, perhaps not something you can, not for all countries anyway, something you can sort of immediately rock up to buy everything you need and then just worry about how long it's going to take you to paint it.
0: Exactly. And oftentimes, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned in there the, the idea of mixing between companies and that's something we're going to talk about a fair bit today is what, what companies work with others and, the the common conversation thread you might see on Facebook in bolt action groups is, hey, size-wise, does a Perry model line up with a Warlord model or something like that? And size is absolutely a consideration um, because some models are just different sizes. I had uh, an Italian Perry model army for a long time, and I wanted to add a special weapon crew to it. Uh, I wanted to add the Breda, the Elephantino, and uh, a mortar team. And I didn't have the the weapons. They just weren't, at the time, they, they just weren't made by Perry. So I actually ordered the Warlord models. But then I discovered that the Warlord models towered over the Perry models. So I ended up using the Warlord weapons with Perry crew. Uh, and that worked really well. So that's an alternative if you get stuck but it goes beyond size, doesn't it? It also comes down to, I guess, style, and in some cases, just the quality of the models, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's um, as I said up front, a lot of these ranges are passion projects by individuals, and some of those individuals actually sculpt them, that sculpt done the sculpting themselves. Some of them have hired what I would call you know, non traditional sculptors, i.e., not the sort of usual suspects you see in the World War Two. Um, bubble um, of sculptors and so their style just looks quite different from um, other ranges that you see out there so you know even though size-wise they may look okay they're roughly about the same height the sculpting is so different that it's a noticeable difference and you know the question is always well what's your personal tolerance for mixing things like are you happy to mix them in the same unit are you happy to mix them in the same army or is it just a matter of no? These all have to be the one um, uh, one manufacturer because their minis are just so different. Exactly. Exactly. Uh,
0: and I guess, I guess that also ties to the idea of when putting these things together. When you do find those matches, or when you're researching, a lot of times you just won't find some of the cool niche either aesthetic flourishes on models or units or weapons or vehicles that make them them. Uh, I mean, for example, we, we look back way back when, when Brian Cook was converting his Hungarian army out of you know, artisan and warlord models, um, before there was Hungarian armies for days. Uh, when we look at that, you you like the door knocker, I believe is what it's called. I can't think of the the technical name for the weapon, but it looks like a push cart with a little armored shield on the side and uh, two giant Panzerfausts attached to it. Um, he had to actually have one of those, you know, way back when uh, he found one and had it sized and 3D printed, I believe. But that was before the prevalence of three D printing in the first place. So, but then there weren't rules for it. So then it, what does this count as? And so that leads to people sometimes looking for, I don't know, like PDFs like your um, Bulgarian list. But not all PDFs are created equal, and you know I don't want to disparage anyone's hard work and passion. But sometimes you know, you, you if you're going to use some of those, you may want to. Uh, Check with a tournament organizer or an event organizer or your opponent uh, before playing because uh, every now and then things may not be as balanced, um, I guess is the nice way of saying that.
1: Yeah. um, It is one of those situations where the minor powers, just by the fact that they are sort of shoehorned into two books or shoehorned into the theater and um, campaign books, are just shorter lists. And often what's covered is the sort of, basic core troops plus maybe one or two really well-known or representative units from that nation. But for those who are, you know, passionate about something like Hungarians, um, it's just, you know, not everything is covered. And so uh, a lot of people go out there and do their own research and some like Brian Cook, um, go out and produce uh, PDFs, which just provide all those additional units that, um, are not covered in the warlord books. And that's not a knock. It's just a reality of the fact that they had limited space and they had to do what they could with that space. So, um, but there is very passionate communities out there. And I'm one of those nutters um, who likes to, who likes to dig into these things and um, try and produce uh, PDFs that are compatible with warlord rules. So, um, but as you say, Uh, They are unofficial. And so if you want to use them, you always should talk to your opponent and you should uh, talk to a TO if you want to use them in your events. And my experience is a lot of bolt action um, players and organisers are very cool and they're just as keen to see interesting stuff on the table as you are to play with it. But uh, always worth checking and um, always worth hoping that uh, we'll see more official minor power lists um, come out of Warlord.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Amen to that. Well, let's let's get into the nitty gritty, shall we? Um, Shall we start with the axis? And let's talk about an axis force that uh, is, you know, talked about quite a lot on podcasts from time to time, and yet isn't necessarily represented on the tabletop. In in the numbers that you would expect given the conversation, and let's so let's talk Finland um, now. Finland famous for fighting in the Winter War. Of course, they fought throughout the Continuation War and in other aspects of World War II. Particularly in their neck of the woods, uh, they didn't travel across the world to fight. Usually, I say usually in that I'm a, I don't think they did, but you know I'm always and well actually and told I was wrong. But Warlord puts out a sensational range of summer. Uh, I guess non-winter garb uh, models. They have a full range support weapons, infantry, and they even have some uh, ski trooper, snow troopers for that range. However, it is a five-man box. But as as great as that is, for those of us who want to field a winter war-themed army, as I did, um, we often have to go further afield. Uh, now, as I mentioned earlier, I have a Brigade Games Finn Army. Now, if you go to their Ends of the Earth range, Brigade Games, it can be hard to find on their website. But if you go to the Ends of the Earth and you scroll through, um, you can find some really cool stuff, like a rickshaw model uh, and some w- German naval troopers, uh, as in submarine crew who are wearing—or not submarine crew, but uh, models that have, you know, singlets on and shorts and German hats— that I actually added to some of my DAC, But they also do German mountain troops. So there's a lot of cool stuff in there. But what we're going to talk about specifically for this is their fin range. Now, they do two and a half blisters. And I say a half because one is a medium machine gun team on skis. um, And they're all snowsuit wearers. One of the interesting things about that is if you want the submachine gun, and I know a lot of people do, the submachine gunner, the kneeling one, because most of the other blisters are... Uh, blister soldiers, I should say, have rifles, is in the MMG crew. Now, I contacted Brigade Games directly when I was putting my force together and said, hey, uh, can I just order a bunch of those submachine gunners while I'm ordering the other bits and pieces? And because it was part of the larger order, they said, yeah, no problem. And they gave me the price per model, and I actually bought I think eight submachine gun kneeling guys while I was buying my riflemen, And so it worked out brilliantly. And I think that is one of the great things about some of these smaller manufacturers compared to like a warlord or, you know, larger game companies is that you can actually speak to a human being and there are possibilities for things to be, you know, rules to be bent, so to speak, because they're keen for your business. And I thought that was really good. And in case you're wondering, the Warlord range and the Brigade, range, uh, the Brigade games range do match almost perfectly. Because um, I have two squads of the Warlord Snowtrooper fins that I've mixed in with my Brigade models, and they're literally a perfect match. So that is a good little nod to you. Although in both cases, they don't get the helmets Everyone's wearing a furry hat and their hoods. Uh, And so it might be a good idea to revisit Warlord Games' regular fin line. And I do know that they sell the head sprues separately. And if you want some variation, you can get the fin helmets that are the perfect size for both Brigade and the Warlord models. And since the Warlord Snowtroopers have uh, removable heads, uh, that's perfect. Pete, anything you want to add to that?
1: Uh, I have a fin army too that's all uh, Warlord and Brigade. They're both very nicely sculpted figures, yes. and I do like the brigade. Um, just mentioned that they're not only well sculpted, but very well historically researched. Exactly. Um, they include, as you say, the MMGs on skis, but also the squad includes the Finnish Latte submachine, uh, uh, light, machine uh, light machine gun. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, very well, well done packs.
0: And they have the, the, little, the special little shoes, too. Um, I mean, it really does look yes. like fin models, which I can't... When I say the little shoes, I, I don't mean to sound dismissive. I just don't know their name. Um, but it's a nice touch. Plus, um, the, a lot of the Finn soldiers had very characteristic uh, knives they wore on their belts. And those models have that particular sheath to fit that particular knife. So, again, really nice eye for detail on those. And I really like that some of them have mittens... Are wearing mittens, and some of them have mittens hanging around their necks on lanyards. So again, really nice detailing. Would have been easy to leave some of those things off, but as a when you are painting that model uh, or those models, it really it is it does put a little smile on your face, and you know you are getting some great detail there. But recently, so when I first started, everyone told me battle honors. You got to go find the battle armor, uh, the battle honors fins, snow troop blisters they're perfect for what you want. And I said, cool, great. And then I couldn't find them anywhere. Uh, and so I've never actually seen them in the flesh, but uh, Pete, am I to understand that they are back from the dead?
1: Yeah, that's right. a company in the U S called Gattis gaming has taken over the old battle honors range and they now offer it. Um, I unfortunately have not seen in the flesh like you. I built and finished my army uh, before Gattis gaming came on the scene, but um If you go to their website, they certainly do look like very nice figures.
0: Yeah, they do. I mean, all the pictures I've ever seen look great. Um, So, yeah, but again, we haven't seen them in person. Now, you have something here that I haven't seen before or even heard of, Parkfield miniatures. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, they're new kids on the block. Um, I just uh, have seen them advertising as they've been um, slowly releasing packs, they're producing some very nice infantry and they look to be producing entire range. So they've not only released some support weapons, but they've also recently released um, a light anti-tank gun. So, and these are all winter. So uh, it looks like they're going to produce a full range and they're continuing to sculpt and um, drop stuff. It is a smaller company, so it's not it's not a, a, a regular release schedule or anything, but they do seem to be um, chuffing along and producing stuff uh, in a queue. So they look quite very nice. But once again, I have not um, seen any in the flesh uh, myself.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'll have to look them up. Now, if we're talking snowsuits, though, um, it should be mentioned that Artisan uh, has put out a pack of snow trooper Soviets. Now, before you say Soviets and Finns don't mix, um, if you look at in the Soviet armies of book. There's actually a picture of, um, snowsuit wearing Soviets that while I was flipping through that book, I realized while I was painting my fins, my fins look exactly like that because a snowsuit in some cases often looks a lot like a snowsuit and the Soviets actually learned from the winter war. And that's why they had some of their troops later on start wearing white snowsuits. Um, so, My fins have seconded from time to time, and I know this is heresy, as Soviet snow troops. Now, since I've done that, there has now been a full range of Soviet snow troops that has come out. Um, Specifically, artisans put out a beautiful uh, blister of models. They are significantly larger than artisan, uh, sorry, than um, uh, brigade and warlords fins. So they do... They don't exactly slot in well, and they are a slightly different style of snowsuit. You would be style-wise, it would be fairly obvious next to one another. However, if you want to combine those with the new Warlord Soviet Snow Troops, because they've also put out Soviet Snow Troops recently, um, they are a little bit bigger than the Warlord New Soviet Snow Troopers. But again, it is a similar style of snowsuit between the two of those, so you can absolutely mix those together. I don't know how well they mix entirely with the fins. Um, Likewise, Black Tree Designs has been putting out, has been dripping out Snow Trooper Soviet releases, dripping them out over the last couple of years. And now they have a full range and they look really cool. But again, I haven't seen them in person, so I can't say anything about their uh, size, but I think styling, they almost thread the needle between the two. Pete, would you agree?
1: Yeah, I mean, just history-wise, the Finns like reused masses and masses of Soviet equipment that they captured and the mm. Soviets had abandoned. So, you know, um, trying to split hairs between um, Finns in snowsuits and Soviets in snowsuits I think will send you blind. Uh, I think that they are quite good um, for Finns. And just on some... Like the Black Tree Range, they've got the Soviet Red Star on the front of their caps, and yeah. you can easily, but you can easily scrape that off, and I think they're good to go.
0: And the Black Tree Range has quite a few uh, actual uh, ski troopers, as in, like the Warlord. Uh, snow Troopers for the Finns who have who are actually modeled on skis. Um, you can get a wide variety of poses through Black Tree Designs. And from memory, uh, the Battle Honors range had that as well. But I haven't seen what is available through Gaddis yet. So, yeah, there you go. If you're looking for specific ski troops, um, there are options there as well. Because, you know, we all want to pay that point for skis, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm.
0: Uh, Pete... Uh... As someone who backed this, and I think you did too, uh, I think we could both talk about Baker Company. Do you want to mention the the honorable yeah, sure. slash dishonorable mention <laughs> Baker Company, Fins? Oh, uh,
1: uh, look, probably the less said the better. Um, yeah. If you type in Baker Company Kickstarter, you can get the whole story, but um Look, just for those who are shopping in the second-hand market when you're looking for fins, I, I just uh, would suggest you look very closely and and definitely look at the figures before you buy into any Baker Company fins. Yes. Um, the, the work that was produced under that Kickstarter was not um, certainly uh, the best work. I think most people acknowledge that they're not great. And so just, I guess, be very be very careful if you're going to look at buying Baker Company and be sure you know what you're getting.
0: Yeah. Uh, now, that said, my radio operator and my sniper spotter are from that range because I have them and I dug through the models and there's a couple models in there that look real good. Uh, unfortunately, that is not the case with all of them. So am I saying avoid them like the plague? No, but be very careful about what you buy, because some of those models, as we have famously joked or I guess infamously joked way back when, because it gets mentioned to me from time to time. The person who is pulling the reindeer sled in that range uh, looks a lot like the old crone on the back of the old Games Workshop uh, corpse cart. So, probably not great for your World War II gaming. But, shall we move on to greener pastures? Pete, I I can't think of anyone I'd rather ask about Bulgarians. Tell us about Bulgaria.
1: Oh, look, they're great. I'd love to tell you there was a huge range of them, but unfortunately, uh, we have one supplier of Bulgarians and that's uh, Great Escape Games and their range is actually coming. Um, Pre-orders have been done and so uh, we're expecting the figures to come out shortly. I mean, as we talked about last time, one of the challenges with building Bulgaria as a minor nation is they had a very distinctive helmet, which means it's kind of hard to um, uh, uh, create them out of other ranges, but um, something like the paratroopers were more generic, so the Bulgarian paratroopers, and you can certainly um, use other ranges for them. But no, for the moment we are waiting on the Great Escape Games range and hoping it does well. And lots of other companies go. Yeah, Bulgarians are a winner. Let's produce some more.
0: Man, I'm really impressed with Great Escape Games in general. Uh, I recently got some of their Romanians, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. But when going to their website, I went wait they have they have Greeks. Wait, they have Italian Mountain Troopers, the Alpini. Like, oh my God, they have things that we talked about, like unit entries that are in bolt action books that we've been talking about wanting for a long time. And I, I missed completely that this company makes them and they're the hits keep coming. They have more stuff coming. It's just great. I, I don't know how they flew under my radar, but they do some really great ranges. I, I highly recommend you check them out, guys. And I have some of their, as I said, some of their Romanian models, and uh, I, I'm very happy with some of the the bits and pieces that I've gotten from them, and I'm definitely planning to order more.
1: Yes, I think there's a danger that this podcast may end up sounding like a bit of a Great Escape Games plug, so it's worth <laughs> saying I don't work for Great Escape Games. but Neither do I. They, <laughs> they've... Uh, They've certainly gone down the minor nation's path in terms of the segment of the market they're looking at, yeah. and um, that's great. Like, as you say, they do a number of ra- ranges, and um, they're going to get quite a few plugs today. Exactly, and
0: let's we'll talk about them in a minute. But uh, let's talk about a, a minor nation here that uh, has been more than uh, represented, uh, at least compared to what it was, and compared to a lot of the ranges in that book. Let's talk Hungary. Now, Hungary, by comparison, is a relatively new range from Warlord Games, and that, of course, lines up with the fantastic Fortress Budapest book that was put out by Brian Cook. And, I mean, we even get depth in there like Hungarian paratroopers, which was once a joke that Anthony made, um, one of the old Ghost Army guys, to John Stollard, the CEO of uh, Warlord, and John made a joke that that would never happen. And, of course, it did. So uh, that's sort of the dream, right? That these obscure units and um, some of the obscure models that we'd love to see will eventually get made by Warlord or might be eventually made, I guess is a is a more accurate way of saying it. Warlord is a business and they need to make sure that some of these niches will sell enough models to uh, actually make their money back, right?
1: Yeah, but uh, Warlord's done a great job with the Hungarian range. They've got a you know full range of infantry, both winter and summer. They've got a full range of sport units and Vehicles and weapons. So, you know, it's, as you say, the idea what you want for any sort of minor power. And um, much kudos to uh, Brian Cook for helping push Warlord down that path. But, yeah, it's a great range.
0: It is. And uh, I did mention Amph a second ago, and I know he was instrumental in the creation of that initial PDF that was eventually sent down the range that got Brian working in the, in the first place. Um, but I also want to point out that when we talked earlier about the uh, the Hungarian support piece it of course is the 44m mace thrower Uh, and warlord makes a model for that now which is really cool
1: and it's a very nice one it is
0: um i guess if we're going to talk about an alternative range to warlord though or something that you might uh, supplement your warlord forces with even though warlord does sort of a one-stop shop of variety great escape games are we going to say that again
1: (laughs) yeah they get another plug They've got a really great range. Like the Warlord, it's pretty comprehensive. You've got um, a lot of infantry packs covering both summer and winter. You've got a lot of weapons. Um, so it, it is a very good range. And I guess really um, uniquely to GEG at the moment is that they do a separate cavalry range for the Hungarians. So they've got a full range of um, mounted Hungarians and some with mounted weapons like MMGs on the horses. And they also do the dismounted figures as well.
0: And that's really rare that you see uh, specific cavalry models, the dismount versions. Now, a lot of the times those soldiers wore, you know, very similar outfits to their regular infantry contemporaries. But in this particular case, there was enough variation and differentiation in the uniform that they actually did the full range of both on the horse and on foot of the same uniform, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, no, they're very nice figures. And it's, uh, you know, the Hungarian cavalry is considered one of the Elites of the of uh, Hungary, Hungary, the hussars, and um, so it's really great to have figures for them.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Well, if we're going to talk about early supporters of Hungarians in Hungary, I know we're leaning mainly towards infantry today, but you cannot get past Mad Bob now. Mad Bob miniatures uh, put out. Um, a, a Hungarian Kickstarter way back when, before there were proper infantry models by anyone really. Um, and Mad Bob did such a wonderful job of putting out, because Hungary had such a wide spread of vehicles that you just didn't see anywhere else. Um, and to get the Saba, to get, uh, the, the Zrenyi, um, and all the other things I'm butchering the names of, uh, and to be able to get them, uh, early in the piece, uh, was just fantastic, uh, especially in the era prior to 3D printing.
1: Yeah, no, Mad Bob fell under the influence of Brian, I think, at an early stage, and uh, he produced a really great and extensive range of Hungarian vehicles, and um, Warlord vehicles are great, but I would also um, suggest you look at Mad Bob because he does a couple that Warlord don't do, mm-hmm. and um, he's, you know, really great stuff. I can't, can't speak highly enough of uh, Mad Bob.
0: And he's a hell of a nice guy to boot. And you want to talk about great customer service, friendly, big fan. Always recommend Mad Bob. Um, I did when I did my um, Indian British force in the desert. I wanted Indian carriers, and back in the day, Mad Bob was one of the only people you could get to do them. Um, and my entire force was based on his vehicles. And yeah, sensational stuff. Well, let's let's move on to a company I don't know dog tag miniatures uh talk to us a little bit about these guys
1: yeah dog tag miniatures um did a kickstarter in 2018 for a hungarian range and um it was actually uh came out in late 2019 uh nice figures i guess what really made their range stood out stand out is they did um, a motorcycle unit for the hungarians um, which were very nice and sort of included one that many people have seen the iconic picture of the Hungarian Mm -hmm. motorbike with a big anti-tank rifle on it. So they did that. Um, it's a quite good range, but, um, as far as I can tell at the moment, they don't seem to be selling it, um, on anywhere after the Kickstarter. Now, admittedly, they've only just really finished fulfilling the Kickstarter. So they may be still recovering, but, um, yeah, uh, there's certainly a range worth looking for, and if you're really interested in getting some alternative models and that, particularly those motorbikes, uh, you could they have a Facebook page and you might want to reach out to them.
0: Also, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, if if it's down the road a couple months, it may be worth checking out their website because they may be out. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk uh, brigade again. Now, brigade don't specifically do World War Two Hungarian models, but they do do models that work, don't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. They do a range of World War One Austro-Hungarians, and once again, thanks to Brian's um, finding them and digging them out and doing doing them up as Austrian, uh, sorry, as uh, uh, Hungarian uh, border troops. Um, it's a it's a Another, you show them what you can do with them and it's uh, really another option to flesh out your force and do one of those um, more obscure units in the uh, Budapest book
0: exactly and while we're talking Brian let's also mention uh some of the the really obvious conversions uh that he did when I say obvious I mean the second you see them it makes perfect sense and it didn't require all the work in the world to make work um but before there were a ton of Hungarian ranges uh brian did use a lot of artisan germans as the basis of his hungarian forces with the addition of a mustache
1: yeah a little green stuff can go a long way (laughs) but um because of the way the hungarians started adopting german kit late in the war a lot of late war german figures um are perfectly acceptable um for use as hungarians just it's all a matter of how you paint them and um definitely go look at Brian Cook's one. They'll give you a very good idea of how you can do that. I think the green stuff mustaches are optional, but, you know, it, it, they, they, they make the minis.
0: Are you trying to tell me that not every Hungarian soldier in World War Two had a massive handlebar mustache? Because I'm <laughs> feeling a little misled.
1: I think there may have been one or two one <laughs> who or two. had to shave it off. <laughs> okay.
0: One or two who just weren't, uh, I don't know, madly enough to (laughs) to grow the full mustache and of course i'm saying that in jest gang um well let's talk uh the company that of course i always mispronounce the name is it suba
1: oh god i hope so because that's what i keep calling them (laughs)
0: okay uh so suba is uh it's sort of an offshoot of north star and they do several packs of german revolutionary sailors um now you'll have to tell me what these line up with because this is absolutely your wheelhouse
1: yeah, so when Brian was doing the Fortress Budapest book, I got in his ear a little bit about um, the Hungarian Danube flotilla. So um, the Hungarians had a number of ironclads on the Danube, which were quite active during the war, and their sailors did take part in the Battle of Budapest as well. Uh, so these super miniatures are good because they're a slightly older World War One style of uniform. So the Kriegsmarine, the German sailors, had updated their uniforms, but um, the Hungarians were still uh, using the older style uniform. Um, there's a quite good picture in the one of the Osprey books of the Hungarian sailors. And just, once again, a unique unit you can throw in to your Battle of Budapest.
0: Exactly. Well, let's talk about a company that's been around for a while um, and does some bits and pieces, but um, is promising a lot more to come. Uh, that would be Gothic line miniatures. Um, what are they promising down the track that might be out by the time you listen to this.
1: Yeah. So any day now Gothic line is, um, saying they're going to drop a Hungarian line. This has been in development for some time. Um, haven't seen any pictures yet, so can't say a lot about them, but they've certainly talked about doing a very extensive range and look, we'll mention Gothic line in a couple of other places in part because one of the things they do do is head swaps. They do a lot of separate heads and, that is really great because the heads are a good size to fit with other ranges. They're metal. They're good for swapping. Um, and so they're going to do not only Hungarians but a number of Hungarian heads um, because the Hungarians had some very unique headgear. They did. Um, and it should, um, if arrives at Promise, should uh, certainly give you a, a much bigger range of options for doing your Hungarians. Brilliant.
0: Brilliant. Well, let's let's jump over to another line that they have a finger in, um, perhaps the, the the line they're most known for. And that's a range that up until recently really didn't have a whole lot of representation. And now you can, can't seem to swing a cat without hitting a company that makes them. And let's talk about the Romanians. Um, now, of course, Warlord doesn't currently make Romanian models, um, although there are lots of companies that do. Um, shall we start with, uh, the, the great escape games, because they are some of the Romanians that I personally bought, uh, and they do a wide range of Romanian models, uh, and support teams, uh, and weapon teams and vehicles. And I'll, I'll let you get into some of the specifics there, but both for summer and winter. So two separate ranges within the same range, right?
1: Yeah, no, they've got two very big Romanian ranges, a winter and a summer range. Both are fully fleshed out. Um, It is, you know, there's not a lot you can't get from Great Escape Games if you want to build Hungarians. Um, Not only do they do the infantry, um, they do all the support weapons. One of the good things they do, which not many people do, is actually sell separate both winter and summer weapons crews so you can add whatever gun you like. But um, they also do a lot of unique weapons for the Romanians. One of them is the resistor anti-tank gun. Mm -hmm. And the reason I mention that is because one of the quirks of the Romanian list is that if they have the French rule, which means you get to take free artillery, but um, you can, as your free artillery, take the resistor anti-tank gun. And that's important because it is a heavy anti-tank gun.
0: Yes. Normally,
1: when you're using that free list, you can only take up to a medium. Mm -hmm. So... There's lots of people who are looking for that resistor ATG for quite some time. And now that now that when you're building a your Hungarian list, you can go out and grab one. Um, the other one is the TACAM assault guns. Yes. Uh, there's, there's an R1 and R2. So the R1 uh, is made by GEG. And you can get the R2 from Mad Bob if you want to get that one. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, sorry, T1 and T2. The Apologies, I'm mixing up my tanks. Um, so they're both good, nice. Nice point spot, um, open-topped with a medium-anti-tank gun. And uh, uh, mixing up my stuff, they I also do the R1 and R2 tanks. They um, do. Once again, some Hungarian tanks. They weren't necessarily unique to Hungarian, but th- there's not a lot of options. The unique tanks in general, and there's not a lot of options for them. So um, it's great that GEG does such a comprehensive range.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I have – I got the res- – and I'm, you've got the pronunciation on this, I'm guessing, more than I do. Um, the Rosita, or R- Rosita? Uh, I, I have that anti-tank gun from them, and it is beautiful. Uh, I also have their TACHAM tank, and uh, I should say uh, armored gun. Uh, and it is, yeah, it is assault gun. It's great. Uh, both of those models are fantastic. And they line up beautifully with, if I might add... Crusader. Now, Crusader, of course, is another North Star offshoot. Um, And they have done a lot of ranges in the past. Um, I had some of their German models. I had a couple blisters of their Germans way back when. And I added them to my existing German army, which was largely Warlord. And they slotted in beautifully then. And so I always sort of, in the back of my mind, said, one of these days, I'm going to come back to Crusader. I like the look. Um, and I really wanted to do one of their model ranges. So when they announced that they were doing Romanians, I got really excited. And then especially when they did a little pre-release deal, uh, I jumped in on that. And so though I initially planned on doing winter Romanians, I was sold over by both the deal and the models for Crusader. So 80% of my Romanian army is Crusader but I fleshed it out with all the great escape game models and I couldn't be happier with the way they look side by side. I think it works really well and uh, yeah, great stuff.
1: Yeah. Crusader are always nice and these, the Romanians in particular are new sculpts and they are very nice. Um, Like we sort of said up front, it is a limited range. It's um, four packs of summer infantry, MMG and mortar, but I always find Crusader to be perfect for fleshing out a force.
0: And a lot of the things. Sometimes, when you buy, when there's a range of uh, a limited range of blisters, sometimes they they throw in some creative posing uh, to make the models look different from one another. And that can mean that when you repeat it, if you have a limited range of blisters, you end up with a strange ripple in your army if you set it up on the table almost. If that makes sense, like it really they jump out at you visually. Maybe I'm OCD. Maybe I'm not. Leave me alone. But I really <laughs> like how Crusaders models. When you set them out as a group, they really, even though you're not necessarily getting a ton of variety with that limited number of blisters, um, there's still enough variety. And the way that they pose them, I'm really happy with how my force looks and I'm not planning to do a ton of conversions, which if you know me and the way I like to set up armies is saying something. So again, I, I couldn't be happier with the Crusader. And again, I supplemented that with Great Escape Games for some extra SMG and special weapon troopers. Uh, and of course, um, the, the AT gun and uh, assault gun. So uh, I might have to add a, a pack 40 in there somewhere. I might end up with a second Rosetta. I haven't decided. Anyway, we'll see. Um, lots of fun ideas there. I haven't started painting the army, but I have set it up on the table to look at it because I wanted to get the comparison before we recorded today. And again... Couldn't be happier. Um, Pete, who else does Romanians?
1: Look, there's a couple of others that um, do Romanians, uh, worth mentioning. So Suba, we spoke about uh, with the Hungarians. They actually do, once again, similar to Crusader, they do five packs of summer Romanian infantry um, and a HMG mortar. Uh, I find they generally, Suba, mix well with uh, the sort of core Crusader, Warlord, um, ranges. So mm-hmm. another source to get a couple of more poses and, um, to mix in with your army. Um, we did mention Gothic line. They do a Romanian range. And I think really the key thing about the Gothic line range, as I mentioned, is that they do two head swaps for the Romanians. They do. They do a, um, a fur hat and they do a beret. Um, which are uh, you know the berets for the mountain troops the romanian mountain troops and the fur hat was worn in by winter troops um so it just um gives you a lot of chance to mix up your units add some um different looking figures in exactly or to supplement like the geg winter troops with some guys with fur hats so once again, those Gothic line heads are really great. and uh, But they also, as I say, do a range of um, infantry with a couple of support weapons. And uh, one of one of the things that's funny about their range is their command pack includes a figure of Ion Antiescu, I believe it's pronounced. But they don't hold me to that. And that's the Romanian war, wartime leader. So maybe his car got broken broken down while he was inspecting troops on the front line or something exactly. but um, it's certainly a unique figure
0: yeah it's like all the times when you see uh hitler and stalin appearing as people's objectives and you're thinking how many times can these world leaders get stuck out in the open um, <laughs> you never see roosevelt anyway uh, yes but it, it is great because as you say that that fur hat for the romanians is very distinctive right and so it it isn't just a fur hat that maybe a Finn or a soviet would use it is very distinctive it looks iconic and so when you are adding that to a force you really can mix it up and it really does make your force look more varied than perhaps other forces in the meantime yeah
1: yeah and before the uh, rivet counters um, are too outraged i should actually say uh, uh it is a, sorry a wool hat not a fur hat um so uh, I think that's uh, just to <laughs> just to make that minor correction before we get in too much trouble. Um, one uh, last range is outpost miniatures. I mentioned these guys because they were the first and the original Romanian. So back when BA launched and people were doing Romanian armies, it was outpost. And so some old timers may have seen these ranges. Brad, I know you played against one of the uh, players using outpost. I did. Uh, many years ago not perhaps the best memory but um you've certainly seen them um Uh, but these are very these are very old school figures so um, they have been around for a long time and uh, look i I don't i never want to speak ill of anyone making minis but they're probably just not up to the level of some of the more modern ranges we've talked about but look uh if they're local to you um, or if you want just really want to track down something different um outpost is another option
0: Yeah, and sometimes, um, you know, models of an older, quote-unquote, style are people's... I mean, I'm part of several old hammer groups where you look at classic style models. And for me, uh, you know, I I love the look of older models uh, in some cases because they bring back the nostalgic. And if that's what you want, this is what you want. So, yeah. Yep. Well, Pete, let's talk minor powers. Uh, Poland. Now, of course, Warlord does an extensive Polish range of models. Uh, talk to us a little bit about those.
1: Yeah, Warlord is probably one of the most, com- well, has been one of the most comprehensive out there, and we'll get to that. But um, no, it's a very nice range, and, um, and most importantly, it includes cavalry with lances, it does. which is the main reason we all know that people play the Polish. But mm-hmm. besides cavalry with lances, it's a good range of early war figures. Um, they do vehicles as well. And they've added a couple of boxes um, for specialized troops um, like the Black Brigade, which we'll talk about a little bit more.
0: That's right. And they also do uh, Polish paratroopers, late war Polish paratroopers as part of some of the other boxes. And they have um, markings in decals for some of the Polish armor units. So Warlord really does do everything you might want for certain aspects of Polish armies, and it's great.
1: Yeah, no, it's a really good range, and the fact they do that late war stuff as well is um, you know a real bonus.
0: Well, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the 10th Motorized Brigade or the Black Brigade. Now, Gorgon Miniatures, who we haven't mentioned previously, um, but we are going to mention a few times. Now, they're a smaller U.S.-based company uh, that makes several cool niche r- uh, ranges, as I just mentioned. And one of these is they do several infantry packs for the Black Brigade. Um, now, this was an elite force that was di- distinguished by the fact that they wore uh famously black leather sort of trench coats slash coats um warlord of course as you mentioned also does a box but if you want to supplement these i think gorgon mixes well with warlord and uh they really do look fantastic
1: right yeah certainly my experience i've mixed um not the polish range but i've mixed gorgon with warlord and i found that they're a good match
0: Yeah, I think uh, some local friends of mine have done that, and they have also been quite happy. Uh, Pete, talk to us a little bit about Crusader's range, because I'm not familiar with this.
1: So Crusader, as we mentioned, does a lot of these um, one-off ranges where they do a couple of infantry packs. So they do, for the Polish, once again, a couple of infantry packs and MMG and a mortar. Crusader, as always, mix very well with Warlord. They mix fine with Gorgon. They're nice sculpts, and definitely recommend you check them out to flesh out your force a bit.
0: Now, if you are a Warhammer player for any length of time, Fantasy, 40k, you've probably run across uh, a company called Uh, Chromlech. Chromlech? I've never known how to pronounce it. Uh, But they have really gone in... Uh, and come out with some fantastic World War II Polish models, given that they're a Polish company themselves that, you know, isn't terribly surprising, but that they've gone from, you know, fantasy and 40K models into World War II was kind of a surprise. Um, talk to us about this, P, because I'm not super familiar with this range.
1: Yeah, I always assumed Kromlek was some sort of 40K reference, but apparently, they're a, I don't know whether it is or not, but they're a Polish company. Yes. Um, and they've... Uh, I think it was last year, maybe late the year before, um, just started putting out some Polish packs and they've been really aggressive in their release schedule, which I suppose it's obviously a passion project for them. And they've got really now quite a very extensive range of infantry. You've got support units, you've got vehicles, you've got things like the Black Brigade and you've also got things like um, Lancer Cavalry. So, look, it is a very extensive range and the only thing I don't know is i haven't seen them in the flesh so i can't tell you about their sizes but um it's so extensive really if you just want to do polish you could go to cromleck alone Um, but uh, if you want to flesh out something uh hopefully we can get some advice on their sizing and um, they will mix with the other the others which would be really great now,
0: while I haven't seen these in the flesh either, and so I have no idea about their size, I do have to say that back in the day when I was playing 40K and Fantasy, I had a lot of their conversion packs, and I had a lot of their, um, you know, they do bits and pieces you can kit bash onto existing Games Workshop models, and I was always blown away with the just the quality of the models. Uh, so uh, that I can't speak about, the quality of their materials, uh, the resin is just fantastic. It's sharp, it's clean. You don't have to do a lot of cleaning up. I've always been impressed. So yeah. Uh, well, let's talk the let's talk Denmark, um, you know, which is kind of interesting because I think World War II and Denmark had a relationship that lasted uh, about six hours. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that, Pete?
1: Yeah, it wasn't the longest-lasting struggle. <laughs> you know, it was uh, one and done in a day. But um, look, uh, that aside, it's um, they are a very unique-looking army, and they've gotten a lot of notice in the last year or in the last couple of years because of um, a movie that uh, was released about um, Denmark's uh, World War Two experience called mm-hmm. April 9th. Um, and what. I guess, grab people's attentions is not only are they once again, a sort of very distinctive looking, um, uh, force, but they had the Danes in particular used a lot of bicycles and motorbikes mm-hmm. and not just for transport. I mean, the Danes put everything on, um, motorbikes like anti-tank guns, anti egg, anti-aircraft guns, um, ambulances command like it it's in my opinion anyway super cool what they did and it makes for a really um interesting and um amazing looking force unfortunately like a lot of the minor powers the the list for them is a bit underdone yes so uh In my usual way, I have actually, just before I did the Bulgarian list, um, I had done a Danish list. And once Mm -hmm. again, that is available on um, the Bolt Action pages, um, both Bolt Action General and Bolt Action Australia. So if you want to check that out, it just allows you to use some of those really cool motorbikes.
0: That's right. And if you're looking for the models, uh, if we said it, I missed it. It, Great Escape Games does make these.
1: Yes, I forgot we are talking about minis. Yes, Great Escape Games did a, did a, <laughs> a kickstart. It went gangbusters. There is a huge range coming just about to drop. I think they're just about to send stuff out. There's, there was a little bit of COVID delay, but they're just finalising the last of the minis. And it's really a great range, very extensive, and includes not only sort of general troops, but um, some of the Royal Guard, virtually every different type of motorbike. So, yeah, absolutely, Great Escape Games is where you go for Danes.
0: Yeah. And it, again, if you're listening to this thinking, oh, I have to wait for these, depending on when you're listening to this, you may not have to. Uh, but let's let's move on to Norway. Now, Nor- the Norwegian list is one that is often bantered about as being uh, you want to challenge in bolt action. Play Norwegians, um, that, which, you know, is hilarious since very few people actually make the models. Um, but that said, Gorgon does. Um, Now, the conflict in Norway is often better remembered as the battle between allied British and French forces versus the Germans. Um, You often, if you actually look at the history books, you don't hear a lot about the resistance of the Norwegians. not to say that they didn't do it. They absolutely did. Um, It's just not as talked about in other countries, perhaps, um, as the British and French forces fighting there. Um, so there aren't a lot of Norwegian models. That said, Gorgon does. Um, they do five packs of infantry. And I've actually played against two separate people that have had armies of these. And they look fantastic on the tabletop. Um, and yes, you can absolutely make a full Norwegian army using the models that have been put out by Gorgon. Um, with a little bit of tweaking here and there for weapons crews and whatnot. But Yeah. Really, really happy with that range. They look fantastic on the table. And yes, you can play Norway, boys and girls. Um, But I guess it should also be mentioned that they do British and French Foreign Legion for the Norway campaign. So it really allows you to flesh out that whole allied force, not just the Norwegians.
1: Yeah, no, they're very nice figures. And uh, if you're looking for some inspiration, um... I'd suggest the movie called The King's Choice, which shows some of the Norwegian resistance, and um, it'll help inspire you. And uh, just one trivia mention, if you're looking at the figures and don't want to play Norwegians, they are beautiful figures. And one of the options you have is um, the British sank a number of German ships um, in the Battle for Navarre, Narvik, sorry. And... the Germans, uh, sailors got ashore and the Germans put them in Norwegian uniforms. Um, because obviously uniforms were soaked and ruined, um, because they'd captured a whole bunch of Norwegian uniforms, um, from supply depots. So, uh, if you want to mix a few Norwegian figures into your German force as, um, German sailors, it's just another way of using those minis.
0: That's cool. I did not know that. And that is another way of adding like some really cool character to your force. And uh, people ask, you can educate them at the same time. Um, now, do we mention that Great Escape Games has hinted that they will be uh, doing a Norwegian range at some point? We haven't seen anything yet, but they, they have mentioned, a put a placeholder here, uh, that yeah. Great Escape Games will be doing something.
1: Yeah, look, I think it's a matter of if... Uh, sorry, when, not if. Um, they've definitely they've definitely mentioned something they want to do, and so we're expecting to see that um sometime soon. So, once again, depending on when you listen to this, they may be out. And uh, so go and check out Great Escape Games and see if they've got Norwegians.
0: That's right. Well, I think Belgium can be summed up in short, sharp Warlord Games, full stop. Warlord does a great range of Belgian models. Um support weapons, vehicles, the whole thing. Like, if you really want Belgians, Warlord Games is the way to go. Um, That said, Brigade does some Belgian forces if you want to dig out in other directions, right?
1: Yeah. If you're interested, um, there's a whole African side uh, of the Belgian conflict. I mean, it's not well-remembered, I guess, certainly not in the West, that there was quite a large Belgian-African colony. They fought early in world war ii um against the italians in ethiopia and um they used a number of askari uh which are african native african troops um they're listed in the belgium army list under i think Force public or yes. apologies for pronunciation and look it's just a different way of doing belgians and um i i just like that entry too because there's a um, you can have up to 20 of these force public mounted on bicycles so I'd just love to see 20 uh, 20 Ascari coming down the road right um but just mention that those are in the World War one range and um, you'd have to do a little bit of research but from what I've seen anyway there wasn't a lot of difference in certainly in the Ascari, between the World War one and World War II uniforms that's
0: right well let's let's quickly jump over to the Far east now, if you listen to the last episode of the Ghost Army podcast, you'll hear John and I talking at length about how to make Chinese forces. Um, just an honorable mention there: Eureka Games will be shortly putting out um, one of their small crowdfunding campaigns for a, a, a whole, a very generic yet specific, so you can use it in many parts of the conflict, uh, war in China. Uh, range. I highly recommend those when they come out. I also love the brigade models uh, and there's lots of others. Uh, we do talk about it a lot in that episode. So I'm going to put a placeholder in that one and say, go listen. Um, but let's, let's jump back to Europe unless you want to mention anything. Oh, you do. Pete, oh. you have a train to talk about.
1: Look, your your. you Coverage in your uh, recent uh, episode was great. Um, definitely recommend anyone who wants to do China. That's the first stop. But one thing you did miss was the fact that obscurely Mad Bob produces one um, Chinese armoured train, which is just outstanding. you got to go look at it. It's got these great coppola domes on it. And it was originally Russian, but was during the Civil War, went to China and was used by Chinese warlords for many years. But it's just no idea how you'd use it in bolt action, but I've certainly got one, and I recommend every Chinese player buy one.
0: <laughs> Terrain, uh, yeah. As a Chinese player, I look at it and go, "Don't know how I get that on the table." Um, send us your thoughts, gang. Uh, sh- let's go to the Netherlands, shall we? Because uh, we are sort of wrapping up our list, and uh, I yep. am I am very superficially aware of these guys, uh, but I know they do a great range of models. Pete, tell us a lot about about May forty.
1: Yep. May 40 is a one man Dutch band who, um, kickstarted a range of, uh, Dutch. Um, they're really great. Um, they, it's a very extensive range. You can do everything you need. So it is, uh, infantry support units, um, vehicles, although actually there's only one vehicle cause that's pretty much all the Dutch had. um, They're very nice sculpts. A lot of historical research has gone into them. Um, You've got almost every aspect of the Dutch, Uh, although it is worth mentioning they're one of these ranges that um, are sculpted in a way that are usually called, you know, realistically proportioned rather Mm -hmm. than sort of heroic. Um, Size-wise, they're okay, match for most other ranges, but they are just a bit of a different style of sculpting, but they're absolutely lovely, and um, if you want to do Dutch, that should be your first stop.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that is the stop. Um that said, Mad Bob makes um the KI the KNIL brought over over <laughs> Wagon. And I know I butchered that. Um, which, you know, is one of those really cool one of a kind vehicles that only you if you look at it, you know it's the Dutch.
1: Yeah, so I mean the Dutch obviously uh a are- fought in Europe, um, but were overrun pretty quickly. Probably what not everyone realises is um, Indonesia at the time was a Dutch colony and there was basically a very large colonial army there called the KNIL. Um, And you can use a lot of these um, uh, the May 40 figures for the KNIL. The main uniform difference is because it was sunny, they had a leather flap on the back of their neck to keep off the sun. So you can reuse a lot of the figures. Um, But a lot of people also know that The KNIL is probably better known for having this sort of slouch hat, straw hat. Um, Yes. Unfortunately, no one is doing figures for them at the moment. Um, May 40 has hinted that it's on their longer term plan, so fingers crossed. But um, it's certainly one of those things that I've seen a lot of people, particularly in Australia, I think, because of our closeness, do conversions for. So Mm -hmm. you can look at things like um, German east african forces because they also wore a slouch hat so you can use some of them with a bit of um, work uh and also you know aussie slouch hats if you'd sort of do a bit of scraping and reshaping. so it's just another way of doing the dutch and particularly for people in australia i think it's one that um a number of it's, it's a rabbit hole a number of people have gone down yeah
0: and it's a cool one and i'm i'm maybe one of those things a slouch hat with an attached head might be something that someone might come up with a good 3D print option that people can then print. But I think 3D printing is a whole other conversation and might have to fall into the majors category because um, yeah. th- that really opens doors. Anyway, um, Pete, let's, let's sort of, we're wrapping up a little bit, but we can't not talk Greece. Um, I mean, there are a number of companies that make Greek models, uh, I believe you would know these far better than I would, but again, great escape games.
1: Yep. Great escape games. Good. Always good place to check if you're doing a minor power, <laughs> they're probably doing a range. Um, it's quite a nice range. It's slightly smaller than sort of their Romanian or Hungarian ranges, but they do a range of, I'm going to risk getting this wrong, but ebb zones, mm-hmm. the mountain troops. um, so infantry and support weapons there, um, looks really, they're once again, nice figures from GEG and it's a a decent range um, with, you know, sort of weapons from other places, more than enough figures to create a Greek force.
0: Now, I've never heard of Templar miniatures, um, but you have them listed here. Tell us about them because I know nothing about them at all.
1: No, I didn't either, but um, I was actually looking for a range that I'd looked at a couple of times when I was thinking about doing Greeks Um, called Burns Miniatures Mm -hmm. and it looks like Burns Miniatures has either been sold to or transformed into Templar Miniatures now. So Burns Miniatures um, has been offering a range of Greeks for a while. It's a nice um, range in terms of number of units and packs, lots of support options. Um, They do separate packs of rifle grenades, so the French rifle grenades, um, which you often need to flesh out a force. So nice minis from everything I've seen, although I haven't actually pulled the trigger and ordered a Greece Army yet, so I can't tell you for certain that they will uh, mix with the GEG, but yeah. um, they're another option well worth looking at. Definitely. Now,
0: another company I do not know anything about is Tiger Miniatures. Tell us about this.
1: Yeah, Tiger Miniatures, and you'll probably hear them again when we talk about Major Powers, because they've got mm-hmm. a couple of interesting packs, but um, in particular, they do Balkans Wall Ranges, and for those who don't know, the Balkans War was sort of just pre World War One, um, and it involved um, Greece and most of the Balkan nations. Now that may sound a little early. Why are we talking about troops so early from the for World War Two? But the reality is that for Greece anyway, the uniform stayed the same between 1908 and uh, 1942. Mm-hmm. So there's no real great difference, um, but. What makes Tiger interesting is they do not only sort of uniform figures, but they do a couple of those Evzone zone troops in sort of traditional dress, both in full traditional dress and part uniform dress. So for those of you who don't know what that is, um, look up the, the Greek uh, presidential guard. Could still, they still wear the same uniform, but it's that sort of white puffy uniform mm-hmm. um that's probably the best way to put it yeah very nice figures i think they'd make sort of you know good reservists or maybe local troops that you can just add into a greek force to give yourself a bit of um difference although i will sort of flag have a look at the tiger miniatures they're once again size wise they certainly mix um okay with the geg but once again distinctive sculpt style tiger the guy who runs Tigers doing his own sculpting, I believe. So just check it out and check that that's something that you think works for you.
0: And yeah, consistently matches with the rest of what you might want in a force. Um, well, I guess we're back to something that does clearly match with a lot of Warlord and Artisan and other ranges like that. And that, of course, is Gorgon. Um, now, we've mentioned Gorgon several times, but they do two packs of Greek resistance fighters. Uh, and these are very cool figures in that they have colorful, differentiated uniforms. It's resistance fighters. It's not standard uniforms, um, yeah. and they make great reservists or local militia, right?
1: Yeah, they're very distinctive Greek figures. They're not just sort of generic um, resistance or generic militia. They are, you know, clearly Greek, and they're very great. And in terms of adding a bit of color uh, for some local fighters or militia, as you say, so definitely check that out.
0: Cool. Well, let's, let's hit a couple of honorable mentions. Um, now, as I said, we will be back at length for a longer, more in-depth look at, you know, some smaller companies that make some of the major powers, maybe not some of the generic here German infantry, for example, or USGI models because everyone and their dog makes those. But uh, And that would be madness. Uh, but maybe some of the more interesting uh, major power smaller uniform forces that allow you to make some interesting forces that maybe are not stock standard on the tabletop. Um, But before we get to those, uh, of course, next episode, and the whole topic of how 3D printing fits in, let's talk about just a couple of final honorable mentions, the checks.
1: Yeah, so the checks... um did not quite make it to world war ii <laughs> as, they, as most people know their history the country was divided up um, just before the start of world war ii but um, the uniforms did get used later in world war ii so czech uniforms were used by both um, the slovak forces which was um, the country created the active country created out of czechoslovakia and um, croatian forces so there's a use for them. And there's one company that makes them, um, a company called Bohemian troops. Now, once again, one man passion project and Bohemian troops, pro, troops produces five Czech figures, not five, fa- not five packs, just five figures.
0: Oh, I didn't know. That. I uh, thought it was five packs. Oops.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, Five figures. Um, but they are very nice figures. They're very well sculpted. Um, and there's enough there to make a unit. I wouldn't want to try and make an army, uh, but there's certainly enough yeah. there to make, make one, maybe two units. And, you know, they're great figures because the Czech uniform is quite distinctive. It has this very big bowl-type helmet. Um, so if you need some, you want to do Slovaks or you want to do Croatians, um, a topic we may return to later at some point. Yes. Um Templar miniature, uh, sorry Bohemian Bohemian miniatures. miniatures Who you want to look at? Yeah.
0: Well, let's let's wrap things up with Sweden. What do we know about Sweden and playing Swede forces in World War Two?
1: Who wouldn't want to play Swedes in World War (laughs) Two? Look. It's one of those what-ifs. Um, there were certainly a couple of points in during the Norway conflict and um, later in the war where Germany was pretty unhappy with the Swedes, where the idea that Sweden could be drawn into the conflict um, was a realistic possibility. Uh, so it's, it's a range that I've sort of thought about in a couple of occasions, what you might be able to do, and there is actually a range of miniatures for them. Um, another passion project... Um, this range is actually sold by Histori-, Histori Figs in the UK. It's done by um, a guy, and I think it's pronounced adelan Miniatures. Mm-hmm. So they actually produce quite a, quite a big range of infantry, actually. I mean, the poses are similar, but they do a number of different types of headgear because for various reasons, the Swedes had a lot of different headgear, um, including tricorn hats, which look really cool. Yeah they do some mortar and mmg support um one of the things mentioned to mention with the swedes though is because they were trying to maintain their neutrality they built a lot of unique vehicles as well mm-hmm. and um there's some of those are just really cool and interesting and we might return to that when we talk a bit more about 3d, 3D printing. printing absolutely um the main limitation on swedes is there isn't a bolt uh, bolt action list for them at the moment but just by coincidence like literally this week, um, someone on the BA page, a Swedish guy, has put out an unofficial Sweden army list. I've had a quick look at it. It looks pretty good. Um, So if you want to play Swedes, there is now an option to do that.
0: Nice. Well, it's always great to see more additions to the tabletop because it really does add that variety that makes the game, it gives it new life, right? It's not the same old, same old that you might see the same Germans fighting the same Americans on the same tabletop all the time. By mixing it up, it really does breathe life uh, into Bolt Action, a game that we know and love, right? Pete, this has been an exhaustive list, and I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you so much for all the time that you put in uh, to both making this list and for taking the time to talk to us today. I really appreciate it.
1: Always a pleasure, Brad, and I look forward to hearing from your uh, listeners all the companies that I missed.
0: (laughs) And that I missed as well, because all the ones that were on my list were on your list. Right on. Well, guys, thank you so much, and thank you for listening. I hope we've uh, opened your eyes to uh, some new options today, and hopefully uh, some of those minor power itches are getting scratched after this, um, if you've ever had the inkling. and. Didn't know where to look. uh, I hope this has been helpful for you. Again, this is uh, a topic that has been suggested by you, the listener. Um, If you have feedback about today, if we've missed something, if you absolutely disagree with something we've said, or if you have suggestions for other episode topics, I recently put a thread out on the Cast Dice page. uh, Please uh, message Cast Dice, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E on Facebook. My name is Brad. Hi. Guaranteed response every time from me. You will hear from me within 24 hours, keeping in mind I am on Australian time. Uh, But guys, thank you so much for listening. And uh, we will be back with more Bolt Action content in uh, the coming weeks. Uh, There is some fun new Ghost Army podcast material in the works uh, with a, a larger crew this time. So I hope you have enjoyed this and we look forward to sharing more Bolt Action content with you soon. As our buddy Casey always says, when you're playing the games that we know and love, I hope your beverages are cold. I hope your dice roll hot. But more than anything else, we at Cast Ice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. Good night. <laughs>